Welcome to our listeners. You're listening to the Centerpoint Podcast. I'm Lowell. And I'm Billy. And we are glad you're back with us. We're in the midst of a bit of a series where we're looking at the last week of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And um, today it's going to get interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, today it's like Jesus finally just draws a line in the sand almost and says, hey, it is time to have a showdown in the OK Temple. (laughs) (laughs) You ever had a moment like that where you just made a decision and now things have to change? Yeah, yeah. I actually was thinking about a time when I was a kid. I lived in Potomac Heights, right there in north end of Berkeley County. Oh, so you're a Berkeley County boy for life. I I was a Berkeley County boy. (laughs) And we had a bunch of kids that would all hang out together and stuff. And one of the guys was a good friend of mine and... Uh, I'm, I won't share his name because he might actually be listening. Who knows? But uh, he was kind of the ringleader of sorts. Of, of your doing, gang? Of, of Yeah, the gang of two. Our <laughs> gang of two. And he would get in. He'd always have ideas of doing things that were not good. Okay. And I would just follow along. Now, he was a year younger than me. And... I just thought we were friends and stuff, and it didn't really hit me exactly what was going on. And then one day, I don't know what happened, we were in my yard, and as all kids do, 10, 11, 12, 13, I don't know, uh, you get in a big old fight, you wrestle around, you're punching each other, and I realized, you know what, I don't got to listen to this guy. Hmm. And I withstood him to his face, and I, I think I told him, get on out of here. And he left. And get I out of here. And then I walked into the house, and uh, I told my mom what happened. You know what my mom said to me? Did she spank you? She usually does. No, not this time. (laughs) Thankfully, thankfully she didn't. She said, it's about time. Oh. It's about time. Because she watched the relationship, Mm -hmm. and she knew from that point on there would be a change. And there really was, because I... Uh, from that point on, uh, I didn't let him tell me what to do, and I didn't I didn't let him lead me. You Your know? mother is a very wise woman. <laughs> yes, yes, she yes. Is. So I want to say that because if she's listening, and I don't say that, then she might paddle me. So she said, <laughs> "It's about time." It's about time. Well, that's kind of very much like where we're at now in this last week of Jesus. Mm. If you've been with us for the last couple of days, you know, um, a couple of podcasts ago, we started into this final week of. Jesus' earthly ministry. We started on Sunday with his triumphal entry into Mm -hmm. Jerusalem. Then we went to Monday where he goes into the temple and turns over the tables because of what was happening there. And so today we come to Tuesday. Now, we want to say a word here about these days. Uh, um, I mean, we think this is what happened on Tuesday. We don't want to be dogmatic about this, Mm -hmm. okay? I mean, there's a little bit of debate. It's not like the gospel writers say, on Tuesday this happened, on Wednesday this happened. But as we look at the the gospel accounts and kind of harmonize them, that's what that is, is when you you try to figure out what, what happened in what order, it seems that on Tuesday is maybe... The final confrontation that Jesus has with the religious leaders, mm-hmm. it, is, it is filled with, with confrontation. Yeah, just a quick, a quick reminder to everyone listening is that the, the Gospels were not written chronologically per se. 
they were written some were written thematically Mm -hmm. so you may have a reference of one thing earlier in a passage and later in the passage it might have happened before the first part of the passage but it's they they don't concentrate so much on timing as they do emphasis right and you know there there are you know there's one uh one book that uh, is pretty like Luke. Be, Luke. Yeah, Luke tries to be a little chronological because mm-hmm. he's given a report, but the others they're just d- done by theme. So, yeah. um, but that being said, this point of the last week, the last seven days that Jesus is living on Earth, there is something going on on this day on Tuesday, and you could find this in Matthew twenty-one through chapter 23 that describes tuesday and mark 11 and 12 describes tuesday interesting enough john doesn't mention anything that seems to have happened on Mm -hmm. this day but what we're going to focus on is luke chapter 20 and we're choosing that because it kind of wraps up the main things that happened um on this last day or on this tuesday in in jesus last week Mm -hmm. on the earth and before we get into kind of hitting different pieces of it. I want to mention through this sex through this one sort of day as you look at the the three gospels that talk about it, we're going to see Jesus have conflict with the chief priest, the scribes, the elders, the Pharisees, the Herodians, some spies, <laughs> the Sadducees, lawyers, rich people, again with Pharisees and scribes and the leaders. I mean it's just it's almost like you it, picture it it, it. it is like a showdown. It's like all of a sudden he turns and is like, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it. an all crammed in one day. Mm-hmm. It's like he's walking through the, the streets of Jerusalem, or not even really the streets, but right there around the temple is what it mm-hmm. looks like. And it's almost like a pinball. He's like just bouncing over here and deals with this group. And then and then as soon as he deals with them, a, a couple others kind of jump in the scene and say, well, mm-hmm. I've got a question for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is, it's intense. And and it's just, I mean, and Jesus' response, as we're going to see here, is pretty dramatic. It's pretty dramatic. So, well, let's start in. So in Luke 20, and, and I've got the NIV, and I think you do as well. Um, that's the Bible I picked up today. I actually have the ESV. Oh, interesting. We usually have, we're usually switching the through yeah, on that. Yeah. On um, so one day as he was teaching the people in the temple courts and preaching the gospel, The chief priests and the teachers of the law, together with the elders, came up to him, and they said this, Tell us by what authority you are doing these things. Who gave you this authority? Now, in my mind, that's in in several of the gospel writers, they all have that same interaction as an introduction to Tuesday. Mm -hmm. That is kind of the, it's almost like the thesis statement of their argument, what right, right do you have to do and to say and to be who you claim to be? Mm-hmm. So that kind of introduces because um, they themselves, what happens there. They themselves think that they have the right to be able to speak and no one else does. Right, right. So they want to be they want to be in leadership. They want to be authority. They want to be over the people. And yeah, let's try to get in their skin. I mean, two days ago, Jesus came into Jerusalem, and the people are throwing their jackets on the ground mm-hmm. while Jesus walks in on a donkey, mm-hmm. which is symbolism of the king coming into Jerusalem. So now they're already like, so they're, you know, this, this Yeah, they're giving kinda, this guy authority when yeah. we're the ones that have the authority. This grabs their interest. This kind of rubs them the wrong way. The next day, he comes into the temple. He, he turns over their whole system of how they are getting rich, them and the other leaders of the day. So now, 
all right, so they don't like this one bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so on this day, they finally, they've had enough. It's like, you know, don't you have chickens? I do have chickens, yes. What happens when you throw a new one into the brood? Oh, my goodness. They get they get hammered. Okay, that's kind they of what's hammered. happening here, all right? Unless it's a big rooster like I did last time stuff and held his own and then all the other ones fell in line, but... Now, but geez. you're right. But you're right. You yeah. throw something new, a new a new person in the mix when there's already a pecking order, mm-hmm. and they go after the, the yeah. after that new. That's exactly new. what's mm-hmm. happened here. And and um, there's a red line drawn on the ground, mm-hmm. and Jesus is standing on one side of it and on the other. So Jesus basically doesn't answer their question at first. Okay, right? Like, yeah. What, gives, how does the ESV say it there in verse number four, four and five and so forth? In uh, well, verse they said, who, you know, who gave you this authority? In verse three, he says, um, "Excuse me." He said, "I will, I will also ask you a question. Now, tell me, was the baptism of John from heaven or from man?" And they discussed it with one another, saying, "If we say from heaven, he'll say, why do you not believe him? But if we say from man, all the people will stone us to death, for they're convinced that John was a prophet." So they answered they didn't know where it, where it came from. And Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Now, we need to understand, these guys are excellent debaters, okay? That's, that's what they do for a living, mm-hmm. is debate the finer details of the law. They do this, you know, 40 hours a week, 52 weeks a year. Mm-hmm. They, they can out-argue anybody. And so they know, they can see this trap, and so they avoid it. You know, they're not, they right, know right. not to answer this question because right. that, that would be an automatic, you know, it's like check and mate. Right. So, so they back out of that. And then Jesus tells this parable. This parable, I think, is, is it's key of this whole day. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all, it's all about the authority thing, but the parable is, is just dramatic. You know, Jesus, I mean, he's an amazing teacher because he just instantly makes up this story. And it's a made up story. Okay, it's a parable. It's got a it's got a point. He just brings it up and slams it on them. And again, it's like check and mate. Yeah. So well, the, as before we go into it, the interesting thing about that about the parable is that he's using this parable, but he's also calling them back to something that's in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. talking in Isaiah five. So he creates a parable based on three verses from the Old Testament. But he goes beyond those verses and really hits the nail on the head yeah. with with the reasonings, the whole purpose behind the you know this whole chapter of why he challenges the people. And think about it. So it says, a man planted a vineyard, rented it to some farmers, and went away for a long time. And what you're saying is, this is this is pulling back out of Isaiah, right? Yeah, yeah, Isaiah five. It's like Jesus is kind of like. Pulling them in, like come in, mm-hmm. come here, come, and they, you know, they kind of just sort of drift in, like, oh, I know this story, I know yeah, this yeah. story, and that's a question for me. I wonder if, as he begins this, if they're like, oh, okay, he's talking about Isaiah five, okay, you know, but so because he gives the first part that is true about Isaiah five, but then he adds to it beyond those three verses in Isaiah five, you know, in Isaiah it says. My beloved had a vineyard and a fertile hill. He dug it and cleared out the stones and planted choice vines. He put a watchtower in the midst of it, hewed a vine vat in it, which a wine press, yield grapes. And then, so we have that in Isaiah, but now we have him in Luke 20 saying the exact same thing and then going beyond. And if they catch it, if they realize it, he is putting the hammer down on them. Yep. And this, so this is what it says. So this. 
farm so the the owner goes away at harvest time he sent a servant to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard but the tenants beat him and send him away empty-handed. So this, the owner sends somebody, and they attack the guy that the owner sent. Mm-hmm. So reading again, he, he sent another servant, but that one also they beat and treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent still a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. Then the owner of Vineyard said, what shall I do? I will send my son, whom I love, perhaps... They will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, the son, they talked the matter over. Mm. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him. An inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and they killed him. I mean, that's shocking. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, and, and Jesus is, I mean, he has pulled them in and, and they're realizing now what he's saying. What then will the owner do to them? He will come and he will kill those tenants and give the vineyards to others. When the people heard this, they said, may this never be. And Jesus looked directly at them and asked, then what is the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the cap stone. He's telling them, it's you guys. Mm-hmm. It's, he's attacking the Jewish sort of history that they honor and and. And accept as their own, right? You know, if you think if you a parable has 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 truths in it, the landowner is God, the vineyard is Israel, the tenants are Israel's rulers and leaders. Those dudes that were killing everybody. So he's the, these tenants. He's saying it's it's you Pharisees, you scribes, all the people that you listed before. Yeah, and then the slaves or the the servants are the messengers, the prophets, the from prophets old. from the past yeah. that they killed them all. And then obviously the son. Is Jesus. Oh, is Jesus, and they end up doing what? Yeah. Killing him too. And look at their reaction. What, how do they respond to this to this parable? Well, it says in verse 19, the teachers of the law and the chief priests, from, from this moment, the chief priests and the teachers of the law look for a way to arrest him immediately because they knew he had spoken this parable against them. That's right. But they were afraid of the people. Yeah, so they, it, 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 they realized as he's speaking it, Wait a second. He's talking about us. Yeah, yeah. And it just ramps up this fuel for them to try to destroy Jesus and all that he is bringing. And it's kind of like now the bell rings, ding, and the, the fighters now go back to the corner. Yeah. Okay? And, then, and they're getting, you know, they get a round, glass of water. You know, round yeah. one's over. Round two. <laughs> Maybe this is round three because you yeah. did have the authority thing. But yeah, so now another round, mm-hmm. okay? And and this time, it's it seems like they take a different approach. Mm-hmm. They take a different approach now. And we, we learn from, from so the other gospel accounts that this is kind of a different group that kind of steps up here, okay? Before it was the chief priests and scribes and the elders. Now it's the Pharisees and the Herodians and some other spies. And they're going to try to trick Jesus into falling into the trap of the Roman government. See, now before we read this, we need to remember that a huge issue in this world at this time, is the paying of taxes to Caesar. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, there are there are zealots that are calling for war against the Romans over this, and and the Jewish authorities are saying that we that some say we should pay, some say we shouldn't. So they kind of pose this question to Jesus, and it, basically it's this: they said, "Teacher, we know you speak and teach what is right, and that you do not show partiality, but teach the way of God." Now these are spies, by the way. It says that they're spies that are asking this. Is it right, they ask, for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Now, how does Jesus view this? Well, he believes, well, he knows that they're trying to goad him into going against Rome. Yeah. And if they and if they can go against Rome, then they have an aha moment where they can say, this person is not being obedient to to authorities. And, and they go and tattle. Right. And then he gets in trouble through mm-hmm. Rome. So he sidesteps it and uh, lays the hammer down again. Yeah. Said, hey, who's, who's pictures on this coin? Well, guess what? You give to that dude to what Caesar. is his, and you give to the Lord what is the Lord's. And I think if we are made in God's image, I think our lives should be given to yeah. the Lord. Yeah. You give this little coin to the Caesar, uh-huh. but you give your life to God. And again, and, so, and now the bell rings, okay? <laughs> and and the, the the Pharisees and the Herodians, and, the other, and now they've, they've fallen back against the ropes, or like, oh, and saved by the bell, okay? And round four, uh, now, and it's a little different now. Okay, so now it's the Sadducees. That it's kind of it's like a mm-hmm. wrestling match. All right, yeah. they tag, tag team, <laughs> <laughs> and they, they tag the Sadducees, and now they're they're experts in the mm-hmm. law. Okay, so the Herodians are experts in working the the system, and that's why they ask this question about the paying of taxes. That's right. And you know the Pharisees, they're they're experts in sort of the history of of who they are of Israel. Well, now the Sadducees step up. And they, they ask this question. What's so funny about this question is they don't believe this question at all. Yeah, that is interesting. And it says here, who uh, some of the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection. And now they talk about a, something about the resurrection. Yeah, they, they believe funny. that at death you cease to exist. It's like they were. It's like they were kind of pulling out anything they could. Oh yeah, you know they were like, what, what, can, we, what can we do we'll here? Stick. What can we do here to try to to try to knock Jesus off his you know off his stance? And we won't take the time to read the whole thing, but um, basically they say, hey Jesus, so you know this this guy marries somebody, and then there's a death and a remarriage, a death and a remarriage, a death, remarriage, yeah, death, white, remarriage, yeah. seven times. Yeah, this lady marries basically ends up marrying seven guys. Yeah, who will we be married to in the in the resurrection? Mm-hmm. It's a lie. They don't believe any of this. Right. Jesus hammers them again. He says that God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And so it just dismantles their question. Mm-hmm. It says the resurrection life isn't like this life where you marry and aren't married. Mm-hmm. God is the God of the living. Which, by the way, he answers the Sadducees, shows them they're wrong. Mm-hmm. There is a resurrection. Right, right. And, you know, even some of the teachers, it says in verse 39, they were, of the law responded, well said, teacher. So you have these people that are that are off to the side watching and stuff, and they're, they are amazed at the wisdom and knowledge of, of Jesus. Yeah. And we'll just kind of we need to kind of hurry this up because we kind of get dragged down. Yeah, the and there's details, a couple of things we but, want to get to because yeah. there's some changes that happen. Yeah, we want to you know a change in Jesus. Something changes here, and we got to figure out what it is. So just just to wrap it up, there's 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 a couple more bells. Okay, <clears throat> Jesus has a yeah he has a conflict <clears throat> over the the nature of God and their view of God. 
the bell rings, then Matthew chapter 23, which you should listen, you should read that, where Jesus just calls out the Pharisees. Oh man, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. Seven he, times. He puts, it, he puts it in their face. Yeah. So we have this we have this change that happens. What kind of change is it in Jesus and how can we really apply it to our life? So we have the rejection of all the fair the Pharisees completely rejected, completely rejected all that Jesus had said and he puts forth some points there that he counteracts a, a lot of things that they said and really challenges them to their core. But there's a change. So what is it? When we come back, we're going to talk about the change in Jesus the consistent change because he can never really change because he is who he is but there's a change in how he approaches people we'll be right back and we'll talk about it Centerpoint Bible Church exists to point others to Jesus Christ in His Word, and we want to encourage you to come out and visit us sometime. We're presently meeting at Faith Christian Academy. Our service is at 9.30, and our focus hour starts at 11 o'clock. You can get information on our website at centerpointwv.org. Thanks for listening, and we pray that you would seek after Jesus. When we just took a break, we let you know that there's going to be a change that's going to be coming. And it's in the life of Jesus on Tuesday, the week of his death, burial, and resurrection at the end of the week. So we're in the middle of Tuesday, and we're talking about Jesus and how he interacted with the authorities in Jerusalem, near the temple, around the temple, and how there was a moment that we see on this Tuesday where he has a change. It's like the time has come. There's a there's a different time in this in this moment on Tuesday. And that's where we're at, Pastor Lowell. So Well I um, I actually need to apologize to you. It's about time and I have no idea why. I've been misquoting you for like twenty years. <laughs> okay. So with my sons, there is a oh line that okay. I use with them. Okay. And I have been telling them for probably at least a decade. Okay. At least since we've been working together at, you know what at, Billy at Center Point Bible Church. Well, I'll tell you what Pastor Billy told me, and I, and and they probably know what I'm going to say when mm-hmm. I say that. So I quoted you. I'm telling you a hundred times I've said this <laughs> okay. to my kids. Hopefully it's a good quote. I'm like a little nervous here. Hopefully it's like, not, you know. <laughs> it's quit picking on me. No, no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's, I do say that a lot. I do. <laughs> it's... There comes a time in every man's life. Yeah, well, did you say that? I don't. I wish I did. <laughs> you know? In my mind, I heard you speak at a retreat one time, and a college professor professor of yours used to say, "Well, there comes a time in every man's life," and then he would just know. stop. So I, I got it mixed up in my mind. But so if here's, it, here's if it happened, if it happened positively, and the kids and the, you know your sons or daughters or whatever learn from it, then sure, <laughs> sure, that's what I said. So but. here, here, here's the scenario. So you know, like maybe we'll come out and into out into the driveway, and and it's, and I know that it's time to change the oil. Okay, and I might call okay. my son out, and I'll say, hey, I need you to change the oil in this vehicle, and he might say, well, I I, I don't know how to do that. And I'd say, well, I remember Pastor Billa telling me, 
There comes a time in every man's life. No, it's it, time to learn how to change the oil. Yeah, and so you know, and that is really a truth that that you you can you can let some things go. You know, I could change the oil right, for my right. in my vehicle in my in my son's car. Maybe he's driving mm-hmm. for a little while. But there comes a time in every man's life. Right, where he needs to know how to change the oil himself. Whether I said it or not, that doesn't that doesn't uh, negate that. Well, the my children's mind. You were, you know, you well, said it. Well, thanks so. for telling me. Hopefully, they're not <laughs> listening to this, so I can be like, oh yeah, yeah, I said that. You know. So my point in saying that is, as we as Jesus has been in his public ministry for about three years or so. Mm-hmm. Okay, there comes a time in every man's life. Where he has to stand up and say, "Okay, enough is enough." Mm-hmm. There's a there is a radical change in what occurs um, on Tuesday in the life of Jesus. Now, on the last week of the life of Jesus, certainly there's been conflict with the Pharisees. You see it throughout throughout the Gospels. There's these little pockets of conflict that happen between Jesus. And the disciples. I, I think of Matthew chapter twelve, mm-hmm. where where there's a moment where where Jesus has a conflict with the Pharisees, where he heals a guy, okay, mm-hmm. and it's on a Sabbath, and in the Pharisees' mind, he was working when he did that, and so they come and and they confront him about the whole matter, and and I mean they're they're really frustrated with him. How dare you do this? You know they can't believe that that you've done this on the Sabbath, mm-hmm. and Jesus is aware that that they are plotting against him. In verse number fourteen of chapter twelve, after they see this, the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Aware of this, verse 15 says, Jesus withdrew from that place and a large crowd followed him. So you see here, at this time, Jesus kind of, what? He didn't, I feel as if in in my heart as I read through the Gospels, he didn't uh, hit them head on. He didn't didn't address them head on. Mm -hmm. He was doing his ministry and teaching and, and doing a few different things, and they were coming up bes- beside him, trying to, like, poking at him, and he did not address them, but as you just said, he withdrew from there, and many people followed him. Yeah. He he realized that this was not the time or the place to be... Um, to be to stand his ground and to be uh, uh, direct with the with the Pharisees. Certainly, he could have. Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. Sure, he could have. Yes, but he, he easily could have. And we're going to talk about maybe why that was in just a moment. But you see, then in Matthew thirteen, a little bit further down down the the gospel story mm-hmm. account that is of of Matthew in chapter thirteen, Jesus begins start to, to start to use parables. And right. he gives this famous parable, the parable of the soils, okay? Mm-hmm. It's probably the – it is like the example of a parable. Right. Okay? It is the parable of parables. Yes. All others can be pointed to this one, yeah. And so at the after he tells it, the disciples come to him in verse number 10. They said, why do you speak to them in parables? He answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing, they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. And he gives this quote from Isaiah that explains that. Mm -hmm. So we see here what he's doing. 
Jesus is now speaking in parables to reduce the the conflict moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's doing that for reason. And perfectly, might I add, yeah. because he is sharing truth, and those that can hear will hear it, but those that are just plotting against him, as we see in Matthew 12, they are not understanding it. So they're trying to figure it out. They can't. But those that he's trying to reach at that moment are those that will respond. And when we flash forward into Luke's gospel, but it would be Matthew 21, but we're using Luke 20. Mm -hmm. Um, When you flash forward in time to Tuesday of the last week, Jesus has decided in his perfect wisdom, there comes a time in every man's life mm-hmm. where he's got to have a conflict with these Pharisees. Right, right. So why is this happening? Let, let's talk about that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's a, that, uh, I think we, we hinted to it a little bit, but just to be clear on, uh, as I process, process through it, as you process through it, why why is this change? I mean, I think of John 8 where he heals a dude with a withered hand. I think of John 9 where he's teaching and they brought that, that prostitute there and he says and he's teaching but they bring him, you know, and he doesn't ever hit it directly but all of a sudden he does. Yeah. He does hit it directly on, on this Tuesday in Luke 20. Right. I think, number one, because he knew it wasn't the right timing. Before. Before. He yeah. wasn't the right timing. He, he had things he needed to do and he knew that he was being obedient to the to God's plan uh-huh. and through this whole process, and he had things he needed to accomplish before he could say, "Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand up, and I'm just gonna speak directly to these people." Well, let's just state this: there, there comes a time when loving conflict is necessary. I agree with that, and yeah. we see that in Jesus' life. Now, I, I, I want to take a guess as to why he put it off from chapter 13 to chapter 21 of mm-hmm. Matthew. Okay, which would have been months. Okay, this mm-hmm. is great. It was a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Okay, M- maybe as much as a year, mm-hmm. where he put off this conflict. I mean, clear back in Matthew chapter thirteen, Jesus could have just said, you know, Pharisees, woe to you, seven times. They could have crucified him. Uh, he'd have resurrected from the grave, and our salvation would have been sure. We would have been redeemed. We yes. would have the propitiation would have been adequate. Right, but he didn't. But in that in that maybe year of time, he used that time to grow his disciples, mm-hmm. to mature them, mm-hmm. to to use them in their ministry of apostleship, to take the gospel to the world. And I can't I can't think of the exact verse, but it's in it's near the end of John 15, 16, 17, 18. I can't remember when it is, but uh, where he says, I've accomplished what you've, what you've called me to. Yeah, it's John I've 17, John, Okay, John 17. Mm-hmm. I've accomplished what you've called me or to. Uh, or three. No, it is One five. It is okay, five. Okay, yeah. five. Uh, but uh, he's saying that. and It's before the, the cross. And it's before he's crucified. So we do know, yes, that he is the gift from God that takes the way, takes away the sin of the world and we put our trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. We know that is the gift, but he also has other things he's accomplishing and John 17 proves it. And that gives evidence to kind of where you're going with. Yeah. It wasn't time and he needed that year or so to appropriately uh, train the disciples. And what we're going to see, we'll get back to the loving conflict. What we're going to see in the next couple podcasts when we look at the remaining days is, I mean, we're on Tuesday, Friday, he's going to the cross. Mm-hmm. 
between Tuesday, the end of Tuesday, and the start of Friday is some of the most significant teaching that Jesus is going to do with his disciples. I mean, it's like it is like a a, a seminary crash right. course. Drinking from a drinking from a fire hose. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. and so he's been discipling and maturing and growing his disciples. He needed this time for the conflict to wait, and now it's time for the conflict. Yeah. So how do we know? I mean, so Jesus knew that it was time. I guess the question that comes to my mind, if we, if, we, if it's a truism that it comes a time when loving conflict is necessary, how do we know when that time is? Right. We know I mean, that. in our own lives, you know? Oh, man. You know, when I think of Jesus, he's fully God, fully human. Um, he, he was without sin. He's without sin. He is completely 100% uh, guided by the Holy Spirit, and he's God. So yeah, I mean, there are times where we, when I look and I think, well, I, I, I don't, I don't know when I should uh, confront someone or have conflict with someone. But I think that what we can do is look at biblical truths that are in the New Testament and find uh, for us the maybe the outline, the instruction to know when it is appropriate to have conflict with someone. Yeah, and I mean, I would say. There might not be instruction. Like I don't know. Yeah, if it, I don't know. Directly, I can't think said, of the right maybe word. wisdom principles. Yeah, of, that would be better. Yeah, and and let's principles. Yeah, let's understand that we all that human beings kind of have a tendency, and my and I find they fall into one of two groups. Some people really like conflict. Might call them a shark. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that sure, old podcast? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And some people kind of they don't like they don't like conflict. Might call them. Turtle. That's right. A so turtle. You have some sharks, you have some turtles. And both, so all people can respond to conflict wrong. So the, the turtles retreat from it and they, they'll do anything to not have it. Right. And that's wrong. There comes a time right. when loving conflict is necessary. Yeah. And there's the shark will attack and there may be times when they're on the offensive and that's wrong too yeah. in a conflict. Yeah, they, they could may be not, that could be wrong. Too. Right. The the turtle struggles to believe that conflict is necessary and the shark struggles to make it loving. Mm-hmm. But but Jesus being the perfect man was able to kind of thread that needle, mm-hmm. you know? I think a place we can go, and we won't take too much time to draw this out because... But it is something, it's a good point to, how can we learn? So we're learning on Tuesday, we're examining Tuesday, but how can we learn from Jesus' example and how can we apply it to our lives? I, I want to say this before we before we get into... We never have enough time, you know? No, that? we don't. Yeah. I want to say this, that people don't trust your natural tendency. As a matter of fact, be skeptical of your natural tendency. Mm-hmm. If you're a shark, I'll just, you know, full, you know, transparency here. You are a I'm a shark. Shark. Okay. And so what I've learned is when I want to have conflict, it's almost like that's a good indication that it probably isn't time. Mm-hmm. I don't trust my tendency. We should not trust our tendency when it comes to conflict. Mm. I you know, I, I so I, what I don't want to say to people is, you know, well, God will lead you when to have that conflict right you know be careful there. that's a little ambiguous it is and it, it, is. it can and you can do something and then throw it on god that's right and that's how wrong. does he lead us he leads us through his word that's he right. doesn't lead us through what we want to do mm-hmm. be careful there you know 
So I think a place we can go, and, and we got to go quick here, is Ephesians 4. We could go a lot of places yeah, in Scripture. Yeah, it's a good place. But Ephesians 4 has a couple principles that, um, that, we could, that we might use. So let's just do this. Let's just go back and forth, okay? I'll read a little bit, and when I see something that I think is a good principle, I'll explain what, a, quick th- a quick statement about it, and then, you, and then after I go, you go, okay? okay? So in 4.25, it says, Therefore... Each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. I'll say something here. Mm-hmm. If you are if you are allowing yourself to be dishonest with somebody because you don't want to have a conflict, that's wrong. Like, you know, going ahead, you know what they're doing is wrong and you're and you're kind of agreeing with it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it is okay for you to steal from the company because, after all, the boss, yeah, he doesn't pay you a whole lot. Of, I mean, if you're right. lying to somebody so that you don't have a conflict, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. You need you need to go ahead and speak the truth in love. Yeah. Okay, yeah. you take a turn. It says, uh, verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Now there, if you know there's conflict that needs to happen, and you might you might even be upset about it. That doesn't give you the right to sin. That doesn't give you the the uh, you know maybe you see something wrong. That doesn't mean you should act in a sinful way. And it also it teaches you to be in control of yourself. Mm, yeah, to have yeah. control of yourself and not letting your anger lead you. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let that fester in this anger. You know, because what happens is you give an opportunity to the devil. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is it is ungodly for you to be controlled by your anger and act in a sinful way. Good. Um, it says, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. I, I just want to point out here that before you confront somebody with something, you need to evaluate your own life. Mm-hmm. So the thief should stop stealing. Mm-hmm. Don't go around and you know tell the people to, to stop stealing if you're a thief yourself. Right, right. Jesus said, before you pick out the speck out of somebody else's eye, remove the log out of your own. And, and a lot of times, if you take the time to figure out your own problem, you realize, you know what? They're not really that bad. Mm-hmm. I, can, I, can, I can stomach this a little longer. This is a shark speaking. Yeah. You know, I I, I have my own struggles, yeah. you know. Yeah, but in Matthew 7, it, that's true. Matthew 7, the speck and the log. Yeah. But it does say, once you do that, mm. then go, then go. So it does that's give true. us responsibility, yeah. the responsibility that we must have the a, a righteous conflict. That you know, loving knowing, conflict is necessary. That, yeah, yeah. That, that it, there is a necess- sometimes there is a necess- necessity to have that conflict. Yeah. It says, let no corruption, let me see if I'm in the right spot, let no corruption no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. I'm going to stop there in the middle of that one for building up. Making sure that what you're saying is not damaging or not corrupt, but that what you're communicating, even if it's a conflictive manner, is is only is is mainly for the purpose of building that person up, not to tear them down. Not to say, aha, I told you so, point the finger, put them under your thumb, but to say, hey, this, this, will, this is to help you. Now, somebody might read Matthew 23. You should read Matthew 23. It happened on Tuesday. We didn't have time to do it. And you'll see Jesus, I mean, 
just tearing into the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. But his point in that was to build them up. He had to destroy their system so that they could be saved. That's exactly right. Well, just to, just to finish it out here, it says, get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander and any form of malice and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other as Christ God forgave you. There's yeah. a lot of principles there in yeah. how we handle conflict. And, you know, the, 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 I, th- I appreciate wisdom principles, things before you go and approach someone, it might be good to read over Ephesians 4, verses 25 to 32, and, and say, am I doing this in, in, in this manner? Am mm-hmm. I doing this manner? Or how do I correct myself? Because I may need to have that conflict. Jesus changed, and he faced them. And they went away, and they decided at that point, he's gone. We're going to do whatever we can to kill this guy. Yep. And they didn't realize that he was the savior of the world until some of them, till after the resurrection. So this is Tuesday. What's almost going to happen now is the two parties, the the, the boxing match is over, mm-hmm. okay? Jesus won. Um, and they're going to kind of separate, and now we're going to pick up now what's going to happen when Jesus is with his disciples. Mm-hmm. But that's later. Yeah. So that's a long Tuesday and a lot of stuff. So if you can, read Matthew 21 to 23, read Luke 20, uh, and get a better a better understanding of Jesus and all he's done. Now, thanks for listening to us, and we'll be back to back soon with uh, our Wednesday view of the week. And just remember, we're nothing fancy here at Centerpoint Bible Church, but we strive to be real, just like Jesus is. Mm-hmm.